0: say something big happens to you, who do you want to share it with? The oldest member of our family, but the person I had the biggest connection with too. Connections are the most important thing we have to
1: people through our lives.
0: So I'm going to be completely open here. One psychiatrist that I saw said, it's amazing that I'm not dead in jail or a drug addict. Hey there, I'm Mark Finnell, and this is Hey Guess What, presented
1: by Telstra, a podcast all about the biggest moment in your life, and most importantly, the person that you wanted to share that with. You and I meet tens of thousands of people during our lives. Actually, it's too many to comprehend, really, if you stop and think about it, but if you pick one person, right, the one person in your life that you need to call when your life is going to change... And we all have that person, right? The one who will scream and cheer for you when you've done something amazing. The person who will help you put things back together when everything falls apart. Well, you're about to hear the story of one guy who felt massively adrift from his family. He ended up bouncing back and forth between China and Australia and he struggled. That was until he spoke to his grandma and together they discovered TikTok. Yes, TikTok and Grandmas. That is coming up. In the process, he became a social media star, like one of the biggest. Just for some context around that, uh, the most popular breakfast show hosts on radio have around 140,000 listeners in the morning. Our biggest TV shows, I guess, would be around 1.5 million people. Fame on social media, those numbers like start in the millions and they only go up. And our guest is an Australian at the absolute forefront of that kind of fame. His name is Ricky Chains and he was born in Hong Kong, moved to Australia when he was seven and his story, it's got some twists. At 32 years old, he posted a 15-second video, a meme on a fledgling TikTok account. And the video was of his grandmother, and she was rapping. She put my
0: name in yellow hearts. She put my name in yellow hearts. Her favourite colour like the stars. She my hearts.
1: That video sent them into the stratosphere. Uh, they have now have 4.7 million followers and counting, but... Before we get into what is actually quite a unique story, we have to start by asking Ricky, what is TikTok?
0: Uh, A kid would say, TikTok is a uh, really cool app. (laughs) You you (laughs) You are old. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's just a very addictive um, short video platform um, where anyone can get involved and actually accentuate who they are to the world. And um, yeah, based on how well it hits, um, they could get a bit of fame and um, have a lot of fun. And fame is
1: something that you found. So we should set up that you're known as Ricky Chains, but what's your real name?
0: Uh, My name's Thomas.
1: Right. And so what was it that blew up for you? There was this particular sort of thing you started doing that became huge for you.
0: Everyone's got their creative ideas. um, So, But the thing that happened for me was um, I integrated my grandma, my 93-year-old grandma, into my videos and... It, it blew up really, really quickly, and uh, we experienced um, an, ins, I guess, a, a big wave of fame from that.
1: You would be forgiven for thinking that Thomas Chung's story is a very classic story of social media fame. Uh, go online, pick a stage name, upload some fun 15-second videos with 93-year-old grandma, millions of people watch, instant fame happens all the time, right? Well, firstly, it doesn't happen all the time. Secondly, this story is a bit different, and it starts a lot earlier than that.
0: I was born in Hong Kong. Um, my mother brought me here when I was about six years old, so I came completely fresh. I didn't know any English at all. I spoke a um, bit of Cantonese, a bit of Mandarin, and, uh, yeah, my mom married um, a, a man in Sydney. Basically, yeah, I'm just an immigrant that came <laughs> here when I was very young um, and ended up growing up in Australia. Eating Vegemite sandwiches and uh, meat pies and stuff.
1: <laughs> Born in Hong Kong. What are your memories about Hong Kong when you were very very small?
0: My mom came to Hong Kong on her own. Um, she had uh, two siblings and my grandma. My mom was always a kind of a dreamer, so she um, hopped on a train with no money. From there, yeah, she just hustled until um, she became pregnant with me and my biological father. And then I was born and they, my mother and my father, my biological father, they never really got married. Um, So yeah, she kind of had to do it on her own for a little while. And so what was going on that
1: that made her want to move to Australia in the first place?
0: She was hustling in uh, Hong Kong. She had a few businesses going on, but she always wanted better for our family um, who were in the rural town at that time, I guess the motivation was to come to Australia to build a better life for all of us. So um, that's how it happened. Look, um, because it didn't work with my biological father, um, she went to Hong Kong and then she um, ended up going on a holiday to Australia to kind of see what the Western world was. Yeah. Um, and she ended up meeting my father, uh, my stepfather, who is um, still my stepfather to this day. <laughs> um, yeah, and then... Yeah, they hit it off, and that was the next kind of logical decision to kind of move to Australia. So
1: you land in Australia. What are your first impressions of Australia when you get here?
0: I didn't speak English then either, so, yeah, it was, it was a bit tough, but um, it was optimistic. So talk to me about the, the living arrangement when you got here in Australia. That was a bit weird because... <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Always a good start to a story. That was a bit
0: weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But um, I, I think when my mother came here, she had the intention of really hustling, as she normally did, but really trying to make um, something of our life here. Mm. Um, but I, I guess her main priority was back in China, um, our family, um, how she wanted to get everybody over here. Um, and have everyone together. So um, when she came here, I think she was trying to juggle how am I going to be looked after while she kind of had to do what she had to do. Um, So I guess that's where the arrangement came from. Jerry, my stepfather, he had adult children of his own who had their own children. So I guess they thought, oh, look, there's children around. Um, He won't be lonely at home all the time while we're trying to kind of make ends meet. So um, it may be a better kind of uh, opportunity for him to learn English and also be around kids his own age. So I guess that's where that situation came out of.
1: I might just get you to describe the situation because you mentioned it earlier in quite a a quick way and I think if we're going to go step by step, it might be helpful. So if I was just to ask you, what was the arrangement that they set up for you? How, how would you describe it?
0: I, I remember it being very quick and I don't, I hate to say this, but this is just how it seems right now, but it was quite transactional. <laughs> yeah. Right. How, just, how do you mean? What happened? I remember one weekend, my mom and Jerry brought me over to Joanna, which was Jerry, one of Jerry's daughters who had two children of their own. Um, and, because this, this was the first time since I came to this new country where I was kind of hanging out with kids my own age, um, so I was I was having fun. I thought, "Wow, cool! This is this is fun now." You know, I'm not alone, just with my mom.
1: For young Thomas, his life lacked any solid connections. You know, he's gone from rural China to Hong Kong to bustling Kings Cross and inner Sydney to then being forced to. I guess, discover himself in this suburban existence with an older stepsister and a family who are essentially strangers.
0: I don't know. It was like being separated from your body and just having to watch yourself from afar like, and kind of figure out what is going on piece by piece. And at that time, I was only about six, seven years old, so I really was just confused. Yeah. And I remember missing my mother a lot. Because she was my only kind of anchor, you know, from when I was born until that time. So my only guardian, so to speak. And now, yeah, I'm in this weird situation, which I don't know what's going on. So it was, it, was, it was really weird.
1: I could also imagine there's an identity component to that as well, where, you know, you've come from from China, from Hong Kong, and then you immediately landed this new country and your only anchor back to any sense of what your life would have been is now gone. How did you make sense of that as a kid?
0: Very, it was very hard. So when you're a kid and, you know, in Australia, um, and at that time it was like, I think it was, they were going through waves of immigration and immigration was very easy back then, you know, because Australia was was welcoming, you know, people from Asia and India and all of that um, to come in. So relatively speaking, it was cheaper and easier to come here then. So at that point, I guess... Um, there was kind of a a culture of, it wasn't as integrated as, as it is these days, you know, as accepting. So, yeah, it was weird because, you know, I was being called names all the time and that's when I knew I was completely different. I was like, I wasn't kind of Aussie yet, um, but I was, you know, because I immigrated here, so... It was strange um, it was there was a massive identity crisis very early on because um, you know when you're being called Qing Chong and all of this stuff, um, I thought it was funny in the beginning, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize it was derogatory or anything um, but you, yeah, after a while it does catch on that you're different when I was about 10 or 11 years old, that was when I was fully aware of what was going on, what the situation was um, but I didn't understand my mother's motivations of doing it yeah. um, it was kind of that at that point where I was asking questions like hold on what's going on here um, why did that have to happen um, you know and by that time I had experienced a lot of kind of trauma at that time emotional trauma because one was the identity crisis but two I was living with a guardian that I never really considered. I really didn't build that maternal trust with. So I had no one to really express my real, true, deep feelings with. And I kind of had to shift myself into somebody who was a bit of a people pleaser. Because she had three children, like two children of her own and three included me. And she was a single mother. So, And then suddenly you're there. Exactly. So I guess in the beginning, the cute little kid was (laughs) quite pleasant, but... After about six months, a year, you know, and then you start growing, you start forming and then, yeah, you're not that cute kid anymore. You're kind of a burden, right? Another mouth to feed, another person to appease, you know. So I had to stay as likeable as possible in that environment to avoid being – I guess there's a term um, in big families, I think it's called – the scapegoat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, dear.
1: So I think it's easy to see how young Thomas was struggling with connecting with those who were supposed to be closest to him. Irony of ironies being that his future would be connecting with millions on the internet. But at this point in time, he reaches a turning point. At the age of 13, he has to go to China for an operation on his heart with his mother. And he was on his return to Australia. That things changed.
0: When I ended up coming back, the guardian had all my stuff thrown out onto the lawn of my mother's actual house. So, when we say guardian, this is this is your
1: stepfather's daughter, Joanne, who you'd been living with. Yes, exactly right.
0: She had moved all my stuff and just moved me out. I guess that was the tip of when she had had enough. And secretly, I was very happy. You (laughs) You also had enough. I had enough. enough, Right. (laughs) But this was the catalyst of, um, you know, that change, Um, me moving back with my mother. That's when a good thing turned into a bad thing. So I went back with my mom, you know, we were close, but we had lost any kind of maternal bond or anything. We were just like friends. And you know, my mom didn't have a motherly bone in her body. She didn't understand how to look after a kid at that point. And I was coming into my teenage years, my most, you know, like lost kind of years. So yeah, we we lived together, but we really were more friends than anything. So at that point, too much freedom came into the question. So Go on, tell me what happened. So <laughs> um I ended up growing up and um Trying all different sorts of stuff. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to be as candid as
1: possible? Be as candid. No. Go. Go. Be as candid as possible, (laughs) and then let. uh, Then let us
0: edit around it. (laughs) I got more confused over time, and at school, I ended up hanging out with, um, you know, the the stoners and stuff, um, and they introduced me to to raves. So, I was about fifteen at that time, and um, I went to my first rave, and that was the real first real place that I, I found kind of lost children like me mm. in one place under un, in an abandoned warehouse um, under something, yeah. listening to music and actually having that bond with each other.
1: It's pure experience. It is. It, the context doesn't matter. It's about what happens in that space.
0: Exactly right. It, yeah. So when you look at the context, it's like bad, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... When you're vibing in there and, you know, there are children your age, you know, they're trying to find themselves. They're all trying to express themselves and they can't really. And you, um, yeah, bond um, with the music and, you know, just being lost in general.
1: Thomas is at this point chasing an identity. Uh, By his own admission, rave culture, not that great. Him, uh, he didn't finish school. He maxed out his mum's credit card, and so drastic measures were called for. Mum decided to take charge. She shipped them both back to rural China to get his life back
0: together. When you grow up confused and under a very bad situation, um, yeah, you you never form as a as a an actual person, you know, you don't understand the concept of family or balance or a healthy lifestyle or anything. So it was anything goes at that point.
1: At a certain point when things got bad, uh, I understand your mum shipped you back off to China. Yes. And it wasn't something you expected. Tell me what happened when you landed in China.
0: She says, oh, I know this thing in China where you can go for four weeks and you can become a doctor or something like that.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a fact. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I
0: was stupid, you know. So I was like, all right, yeah. So I can go for a holiday. I can get my life back together. And I can, um, you know, like have a reputable career as a doctor. Yeah, I'm going. So... I don't know who it
1: reflects worse on: your mum for trying to your mum for trying to send you there, or you for believing her.
0: To be honest, yeah. oh, it was. I don't think it was a good situation for anybody. <laughs> but um, I, I guess, yeah, I just needed a rest at that time too, so I went for um, various different reasons. So I went there, and um, she actually dropped me off in a small rural town in China, which is. By this time, she had already brought the whole family over to Australia. So she had already fulfilled her, her, her duty, I guess, to the family.
1: But it also meant that you were now dumped in a country with which you had no family.
0: Yes. So that was the weird thing. So I ended up going back to China. And I guess her motivation was to show me what the real world was like, to teach me a lesson, so to speak.
1: As part of that process... Young, now quite Australian Thomas is trapped in rural China. Like mum has literally taken his passport from him and he's forced to get himself together and he does that by teaching English. Pretty soon he had become this minor celebrity in the town, like the cool Aussie guy. And for him, it was the first time he felt like he had some sort of value as a person. But his connection to his grandma, who would feature so heavily in his future, it was always there.
0: Where our story starts is when I was three months old, my mom showed up on her doorstep in the rural town that they lived in. Mm. And she said, Here's, I, I've ha- look, this is my child. He's three months old. I've got to go back to work. I've got to do what I need to do. Um, can you please look after him? So she actually put me with my grandma when I was three months old. And my grandma actually raised me un- until I was three years old. So, I think this is where the me and my grandma's bond began. I would call her a lot just for emotional support. She was kind of more like my mother than my mum was um and yeah, she would send me money here and there just see how I was going she would always talk badly about my mother like how could she do that oh my gosh I can't believe you're stuck there like what is going on but um yeah throughout this whole time me and my grandma always had kind of um yeah a a connection over the phone and stuff like that
1: that connection was about to play out in the next part of Thomas's journey this time though it was good 18-year-old Thomas returns to Australia, looking for a new life, a new beginning, and a new identity.
0: Funny enough, those few years in China stuck on my own. were They actually changed me. It, It changed me. It actually made me feel like some... It made me get some perspective on what real life was actually. So when I came back, I found jobs straight away. So whether it was fast food or um, delivering stuff or, you know, doing odd jobs because I didn't finish high school. So I had no kind of um, experience at all in, you know, I didn't have a degree or anything.
1: So at a certain point you got married, you had a daughter, but you're still working a lot of these sort of retail jobs.
0: Yeah. Can you tell me the moment you first
1: discovered TikTok? As I understand it, it was on a train platform, is that right? Yeah, yeah. What happened?
0: So I ended up getting married, um, having a daughter very early in the marriage and, yeah, like slowly, very slowly trying to build my life back into the kind of the status quo of how society sees a normal person, right? Um, Did it feel genuine or
1: did you feel like you were playing the role of normal?
0: Absolutely playing the role. I still feel like I'm playing the role, to be (laughs) honest. So I'd been married for a little while and – my wife and I, and my daughter were at a train station one day. And TikTok just came out like a week ago. And on Facebook, she was being bombarded with all these ads. So (laughs) um, she said, hey, babe, you've always been kind of creative. And, you know, I'm still working retail, but I'm I'm a salesperson at this point. Um, And she said, look, I know, you know, you're going through your job and you know, you've always wanted to be creative. Why don't you download this TikTok thing? It's brand new and um maybe you could let off some steam there. <laughs> so I thought, all right, cool, whatever. Um so I downloaded it and when I opened it, I just um I was hooked straight away. Like short videos for short attention spans. That were
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, so that,
0: that sums it up. Exactly. So that was me. I loved it. Um so yeah, and all these people being creative and you know, it wasn't just the, tr- the really talented really attractive people. Like on Instagram and YouTube at that point, um it was just regular Joes, anybody that had something to say could just make a video in 15 seconds and do it. Mm. So I loved it. I made my first video within the first half an hour of opening the app and Two hours later, I got a notification and I opened it and I had 15 likes and that was the most amazing thing to me. That was the most amazing thing because I here's me, nobody, and 15 people in this world have watched my video out of nowhere and they've liked it and they've engaged with it. And for me, I was already famous at that point. (laughs) So, you know, I, I, I was not desensitized to you know likes or metrics or anything like that at that point so it was just pure validation it was it was and that w- that is the secret of being famous on any platform even in these days because i think lots of people they look at metrics and they make that you know what's all about and what it's actually really all about all about is that feeling that pure validation of somebody actually engaging with your content no matter if it's one like or ten likes or a million it's, it's that love, it's that spark of creativity that keeps, that sustains, yeah, someone into kind of real fame. And I still believe in that. And so, Ricky Chains was born. This identity that he launched onto TikTok. And he,
1: he took that feeling of being the special guy when he was trapped in China, of being different to the norm, a feeling he'd had his entire life. And he grew that identity in the world of 15-second videos for an audience with a stunningly short attention span.
0: Anything to be completely different from the crowd, I did. And um, it worked pretty well um, to a certain point. Um, But it was only when I integrated my grandmother into our first skit together that things really got out of hand. T-Rex. T-Rex Triceratops. Triceratops. Micro-pachycephalosaurus. Ah, ah, ah.
1: That is Ricky and his grandma, Hoi Jin. And if you haven't seen those videos or logged on to TikTok, the 15-second comedy segments are basically the pair of them having fun. And how it started was at a normal family gathering.
0: At one point on a visit to my mother, my grandma was there at her house. And I had this idea where I would um, get my grandma to lip sync some rap songs, like real trending rap songs at that point. And she doesn't speak English at all. So she would mimic the sound or the flow or the song, the chorus, as well as she could, but in complete like Chinese gibberish. <laughs> it was, yeah, but it kind of resembled the, the chorus. Um, we, we named the segment Hip Hop with Granny. And it was 15 seconds. So that's the golden time for TikToks to get blow up in. So we followed all the rules. um, And when we released that, I think we got about 500,000 likes um, within a week. So it was crazy. That one blew up. And it was weird because in that one session, we actually did five different rap songs. So we could actually release one per day in that week. And at the end of the week, that's it, we were famous.
1: So Thomas, although I guess at this point I should call him Ricky with the hip-hop
0: grandma Hui Jin, they're now famous. and let me give you some metrics. So, 40,000 likes in the first week, and we thought, okay, maybe that's it. maybe 100 K likes. Um, but it ended up getting to, in about a year's, we, we got up to about four million followers. At the moment, as it stands, we're at 4.7 million followers, um, with 80 million likes to our videos. Um, we were the first TikTok video to hit over 10 million likes on a single video. Um, yeah, we were. We spoke at VidCon last year, uh, so uh, PewDiePie actually featured us twice. We've been on Best Finds, which is an Instagram um channel with over 10 million followers. Yeah, we've done ads for um, Coca-Cola, uh, Warner movies. Uh, we did Jumanji. We did um, Disney for Toy Story. We've done ads for apps, Hungry Jacks. Yeah, we've worked with most of the major kind of um, brands in Australia.
1: That is what fame looked like in
0: the world of social media.
1: And as impressive as that is, I think the really telling part is this. Through his alter ego of Ricky, this famous internet guy, it was Thomas that was given the opportunity to rewrite this traditionally really unhealthy relationship with his family. And he got to do that using the one family member, his grandmother, one person who believed in him all of his own life, never stopped. Somehow, (laughs) this alter ego had taken the caterpillar of Thomas and turned him into the butterfly
0: of Ricky. After the first day, when we had, you know, hundreds of thousands of likes already, I called her and I was like, granny, this is amazing. We got to continue this. Like, and she was like, what? What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. She didn't understand what was going on. And she still doesn't understand anything. Like she understands she's famous. Mm -hmm. She understands she's, um, you know, well-received. Um, You get some money from it too now, I understand. Yeah,
1: yeah. For a guy who had such a turbulent idea of what family is, how did it feel that it was literally one family member that was
0: integral to this huge success? It was amazing. It was truly amazing. I was having fun already like on TikTok, but when this came about, it was just unexpected, but it it was so gratifying because it was like and it came from the the oldest member of our family too but funny enough it was the person i had the most biggest connection with too
1: why do you two have such a good connection what what do you think that's about
0: i think it's our spirit because my grandma also had a very turbulent life and she's always been a dreamer like me so i've always i've always been Look, striving for more in this life. I know know this life can be better always. So I think we both have that mindset. She doesn't feel like she doesn't deserve it. You know, Mm. a lot of people they feel like, oh, this is something that's been put upon me. You know, and I'm grateful for it. But I think she she had this expectation early in her life that she was going to become something, and it has now been graced upon her. So she kind of embraces it.
1: All right, she sounds amazing. I want to hear this woman's voice. Can you? Can we? Can, can we see if we can dial her up? Yeah, sure, sure. No worries. I'll call her now.
0: Hello. Hey, hello. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> She's actually um in the bathroom at the moment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is going great. Well, we can wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: hello, how are you? Hello, hello how, how are, you? are you? How are you?
1: Can you translate for me? I, I want to know how it feels to be um, a huge TikTok
0: star for her. Hey, uh, so she says she's she's very grateful to be famous on TikTok. Um, she hopes it brings people happiness and um energy. So, like that young spirit. Um, and she's very grateful that at her age, she can still inspire people.
1: And just lastly, just quickly, what's the
0: one wish that she has for you? For me? Yeah, your, okay. fu- your future. 他问的就是你呢? I guess, I guess the long story short is she my just my wants us to be more famous <laughs> and more successful <laughs> on TikTok.
1: Uh, can you say thank you from us to her for uh, for talking to us
0: today? Uh, <laughs> she, she's happy. Thank you very much. Thank
1: you very much. That was adorable.
0: <laughs> she's amazing.
1: What would you say is the the craziest experience you and your grandmother have had throughout all this?
0: I think... Speaking at VidCon, uh, where we were surrounded by hundreds of fans and they all wanted pictures with us. And I, I actually got the chance to speak on stage on just teaching people how to make their TikToks better. Just being on that stage was a real big validation for everything that we've done. And I felt special at that time, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess um, is a reoccurring
1: theme. Your life has been an absolute roller coaster, and it strikes me based on the conversation that we've had, that yeah. your grandmother was, even before TikTok, a really crucial part of what kept you going. Yeah, right. So with that in mind, mm. who do you think you would have been if you hadn't had all of those different points of connection, the TikTok moment, the connection when you were back in China? Who do you think you would have been if you hadn't had that connection to her throughout all of that?
0: I th- okay, so I'm going to be completely, completely open here. So, like one psychiatrist that I saw, I would it's amazing that I'm not dead in jail or a drug addict. And I think I would have been completely lost in either one of those three things if I didn't have my grandma to be my um inspiration and my emotional rock. Yeah. She really meant something to me. Um and she did so many things at so many different points of my life to give me perspective that somebody actually really loved me still. So I think I would have been a lot worse off if it wasn't for her.
1: Is it hard to look back on your life and not feel a sense of injustice about some of the things that went happened?
0: No, I love it. Really? I Ah, love it. That's interesting. Because I've always got an interesting story to tell when I'm at a party (laughs) 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 and I'm grateful for that. The story of Ricky is one
1: of finding yourself in a place where you least suspect it, but doing it with the person that always, always believed in you. Uh, in fact, you should check out Ricky and Hoi Jin on TikTok, the Chains family, Chains with the a Z. Uh, you, all you need to do is, like, watch it and you will see the connection is real. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcasting app you happen to encounter us on. We have got unique stories of people connecting at the most pivotal part of their lives. My name has been and will probably continue to be Mark Fennell, and this has been Hey, Guess What? presented by Telstra. Thanks for joining us.